Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon, welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad, Bruce Marshall will jump on with us in just a couple of moments as we lead things off with our Gold Sheet segment on this Friday. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. Find a branch location near you on their website or give them a call. Phone number's there also. That is Mississippi Land Bank. Glad to have you along. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line right out of the gate and uh, check in with our leadoff hitter on Fridays. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet and goldsheet.com. Bruce, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Rich. Let's start with not specific to the SEC. I'm curious if there's a game or maybe a couple of games this weekend that really jump out as you as, hey, that's a spot where I really see some value. Virginia Notre Dame, uh, scheduling wise here, you know, it worked against Virginia last week, Rich. Uh, that was their flat spot, Old Dominion, before this game with Notre Dame and after that thriller against Florida State, and they were flat in that game. And in the first half, Old Dominion was ahead, and then uh, Virginia gradually gained control. Now they catch Notre Dame off of that sellout effort against uh, Georgia. And I'll tell you what, um, just sort of like playing Air Force and Army is, is tough for teams. Mm-hmm. Flip it around the other side. It is tough to prepare for a Bronco Mendenhall defense on short notice. It's, it's very San Diego State-like. He's a Rocky Long disciple. They do a lot of the same things, stunt, stunts, blitzes, things like that. They really keep all offenses off balance with their odd alignments and things. And Notre Dame's got to deal with that this week. Bryce Perkins, I think, is a darn good quarterback, great dual threat. Run and pass, and, you know, the the pit win in opening week is starting to look pretty good for Virginia. They went in there and they took care yeah. of business against a pretty good Panthers team. And let's not forget Bronco Mendenhall, 5-1 and one as a dog last year. This has been a great role for him throughout his career at BYU and at Virginia. And uh, Notre Dame, like I said, it, you know, the schedule, uh, this doesn't work this week, I don't think, for Notre Dame. Interesting look there. I heard a an interview with a uh, a South Bend newspaper writer earlier this week, and he said he didn't think that Notre Dame would have a mental hangover, but he thought there very well could be a physical hangover following that game from uh, from Georgia last week. You buy into that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was just – I think Notre Dame looked at that game as its, its playoff game of the first half of the season. Or, or, you know, sort of mm-hmm. like a Super Bowl for them. I mean, that was the one yeah, no doubt. Notre, Notre Dame needed to really get back into the, um, you know, in the mix, serious mix to talk about the national getting into the Final Four. Um, they fell short. It's tough to come back from a game like that. Virginia's good enough as it is. 
Uh, I think Virginia can win this game outright. Certainly plus the 12, 12 and a half. Yeah, take Virginia. Well, it'd be fun to uh, fun to watch that one tomorrow. We got to look at Cal last week in Oxford. Kind of a crazy ending in that ball game, but they've gotten to four and zero. They're fifteenth in the country. They're hosting Herm Edwards and Arizona State tonight. Somebody said earlier in the week that this could be one of those that's like a like a seven to three game. Two t- uh, two defenses that are pretty good. You got a thought on on that one in the Pac twelve that we get tonight? Yeah, I know they're ranked fifteenth, but I'm not sure Cal's a top twenty five team really. I mean, or. Anybody except Washington and Oregon, really, in the Pac-12. Um, you, you saw that game last week. Ole Miss almost got them right at the end and what could have forced overtime. Uh, the Cal defense is, is good. It's a granite-like defense. I'm still not sure about this offense. I'm not sure how good Herm is. Herm's team really is, though. I mean, they haven't been scoring a lot of points. They lost that game to Colorado last week, but they finally scored a few last week and the defense let down. Uh, they have a freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels, who is a little guy. I mean, you look at him out there; he looks like a like a twelve year old. Uh, but hmm. you know, he's pretty savvy. Um, but uh, Herm is, you know, Herm manages the game pretty well, and they're usually close when they lose. So I think you can take the points. This could be a three point game either way tonight, and I would take the four with Arizona State. We had it twenty one twenty Cal on the goal sheet. Twenty one twenty Cal getting the win. If they do that, they will move to five and zero oh on the year. Uh, Alabama, no stranger to uh, to five touchdown at point advantages, I, I guess you would say. 37.5 seems to be where the line is settled uh, for the game against Ole Miss. Kicks off at 2.30 on CBS tomorrow afternoon in Tuscaloosa. Going to be hot for this game, about 95 degrees at kickoff. What do you think about the big number with Alabama over Ole Miss? Well, I mean, the last couple of years, that wouldn't have bothered Alabama because the total scores you guys you well know, 128 to 10 the last two years. Um so, I mean, they can handle it. Uh, but I, I think the key here is going to be, you know, the last two years, Ole Miss was running, you know, the, the, the Longo offense really fast-paced, but they were going three and out really quick. And they were putting that defense back out on the field, and they just got worn out. And it'll be up to Rich Rod's offense. If he can get this thing in gear, and they're not in gear yet, but if they can just get a few first downs on each possession and start keeping the defense off the field, and the defense is better this year. Um, but I think a lot of the key here is going to be you've got to try to limit Alabama's uh, possessions and time of the ball and, and, and snaps, really. So you can't go three and out here. And I, and I think if if the Rich Rod offense, if Corral can do that, um, they'll have a chance not to get destroyed here. But Alabama's got so much firepower, and, and, and Nick is – I think in this competition here with uh, Clemson, you know, to make to trade points with Clemson, they got a late score last week. He jammed one in late against Southern Miss to get the cover. So that would worry me a bit if I'm going to bet on Ole Miss here. So I think Alabama is going to win big. It's not going to be like 60, you know, uh, 62 to 7 or 66 3, but we had it 49 10 Alabama. So I guess we'd lay it, but uh, I don't think that's a great spot on this card. 49 to 10, that would be a cover and still no clarity from Ole Miss on uh, what they're going to do at quarterback. Don't think that Matt Corral has practiced much this week, which yeah. would mean a true freshman and either John Rice Plumley or uh, 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 Grant Tisdale playing in the, uh, in the ball game. I- I'm intrigued by the, the matchup on the Plains with Mississippi State and Auburn. That ought to be a great atmosphere there at, uh, at Jordan Hare for a nighttime kickoff. Auburn off to a 4 0 start. Defense has been great. Mississippi State played, uh, I think, a lot better last week against Kentucky than they did the previous week against Kansas State. Auburn a 10-point favorite. 
Yeah, Auburn's, you know, it's it's all or nothing here for Auburn. And Gus is on one of these streaks again where he's covering every number and winning games. They've won two big ones away from Jordan-Hare. Now they're back home. I thought it was interesting. He put in a package of plays for Joey Gatewood last week. And I think he's maybe a little worried Gatewood's going to leave. Um, so he got a few snaps, too. But Bo Nix seems to be doing what he needs to do as well. And that defense is tough. Um, but I wonder, I mean, they've had to go to the well a few times here. And uh, uh, this could be a tricky game. Mississippi State got them last year. Um, you know, Schrader looked like he could run Joe's offense just as well as Stevens. So uh, I, I think he could go either way in this game and keep it close. The defense came up with some big plays against Kentucky last week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is kind of close. Updated score forecast 24 17 Auburn. I don't think Gus loses it. Uh, and I'm a little reluctant to go against a team that's covered four in a row. And they might, Auburn's done this before. They run off seven, eight in a row versus the spread. But uh, I think Mississippi State's got enough to keep this thing uh, competitive tomorrow at Jordan-Hare. So Auburn with the win, but Mississippi State covering the number. Hey, one last game. I'm just curious about this one out in the uh, the Pac-12. Washington State, who scored 63 in a loss last week. Uh, Utah looks like they're going to be without their running back, uh, the, the Moss kid again. And that kind of makes them, I don't know, really dependent on Tyler Huntley. you got to lean on Utah and Washington State, where Utah's a six-point favorite at home. Yeah, I mean, as long as they keep sharp objects away from Washington State this week, um, I, I think the Cougars can go in there and win. I mean, they've beaten these guys the last two years. I mean, Gordon did throw nine touchdown passes last week. I know they lost. I've seen leads, not to that degree, but a few times his teams have blown leads like that when the defense just gets on its heels and the other team starts making big plays. I think Utah was a bit exposed by USC. And by the way, Huntley might not be 100% tonight, and he is going to be without, uh, probably without Zach Moss's top running back. They missed him last week, but it was really the secondary last week for Utah that got exposed. They're little back there. And SC was really just throwing up jump balls for its big receivers to go get and then run with the ball if they caught it. And by the way, they also, just at their front four, were able to pressure Huntley and really keep him off balance last week. Huntley really disappointed in that game. Listen, Leach has won this game the last two years and as a dog, and uh, he's 13-5 and five, his last 18 as a dog, and uh, Utah has only covered one of its last seven games dating to last season. Edge is technical, and I think fundamental Washington State. This might be a, uh, you know, you go down to Biloxi, you might do this one on the uh, on the money line with Washington State. Plus six, definitely. 31-27, Cougs, our score forecast. Maybe not the best slate of games overall, but feels like another fun weekend. Bruce, remind people where they can, uh, can get all of your information and follow all that you're doing. Thanks, Rich. Check us out online, goldsheet.com. All these games this weekend. We've got the NFL as well. And hey, our NFL late telephone service, 25-8 and eight this season. We are off to a rip-roaring NFL start. So that's all up there at goldsheet.com. So are my picks. They're also at vegasinsider.donbest.com. Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. You're the best, Bruce. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Okay, Richard. That is Bruce Marshall. Bruce A. Marshall on Twitter. Always fun to visit with and a fun way to start the show on Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi will bring the whole crew in when we get back with you. Actually, when we come back, we're going to talk with Deuce McAllister. Let's talk a little Saints football as they get set for the Cowboys coming in on Sunday night in the Dome. That's on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Ceasefire text line is open to you this afternoon, 601-879-4395. One of the best new phones is here, and Ceasefire is celebrating with a fully loaded deal. Buy the latest phone and get another one free, plus $100 off the newest wearable technology. Learn more at Ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. 
Let's go right now back to the Farm Bureau phone line and check in with our good friend, Deuce McAllister, who is the color analyst on the radio for the New Orleans Saints and the Saints Radio Network. Did you have to pay property taxes while you were on the West Coast? That was a long trip, wasn't it? Very, very long trip. Uh, we were happy to get back. Uh, now, one thing that we do want to try to bring back, obviously, another W, uh, we want the weather. I mean, the weather was outstanding outside of some rain up in Seattle a little. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, a little more, a uh, little more seasonal. Felt like fall, I'm sure, in the Pacific Northwest, as opposed to the uh, the soupiness of the Deep South and uh, and of New Orleans. I, you know, would love to maybe get a do over on the Rams game and all the the stuff with the officiating. But last Sunday in Seattle, my guess is Deuce that made that flight, uh, that long flight back to New Orleans, a really happy one on Sunday night. A really happy one, and and for us, I mean, just to be able to see the guys get up and interact with each other and talk, and you know, uh, just just a totally different vibe. But I, I must say, when we were flying out from L.A. up to Seattle uh, that Sunday night the previous week, it wasn't a terrible flight. I mean, because the guys were up, and at least it was talk, you know, talking. You know, they may not have been as as excited as they were coming back to New Orleans, but I was a little bit surprised. You had a lot of the leaders that were up and, you know, making sure that they were checking on the guys and uh, just just a, some movement that you necessarily didn't think that you would have. So that was a pretty good sign as well. Deuce, did you ever have a situation outside of training camp where you guys had a West Coast trip and you stayed out there for, for two weeks during the regular season as opposed to coming back and then turning around and making that flight again? We've done it both ways. I, I had opportunities where we did it both ways uh, um, with Sean as well. And so one, one of the things that I have to give, you know, my hat really goes off is to our travel staff, our, our advanced staff. And, you know, you a lot of people that you, you may not even know uh, their, their name as far as and what they do for this, this organization. But, man, they were yeah. outstanding. I mean, because the setup that they had for the players and obviously you, you, you take it for granted when you're a player. I mean, because everything is normally already there. But there are people that have it that way for you. And so uh, Jay and, and and Danny and Arnie, those guys did an outstanding job of just the setup they had for the guys where um, from the hotel, having everything uh, there, having the meeting rooms all in one location for them, uh, it, it, it gave you the college sense in, in a way. Uh, just because of how they had it set up. And then we practiced at the University of Washington. Uh, Coach Peterson and his crew, they were outstanding uh, just to be able to obviously give us the feel and, 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 and be able to go and do what you need to do. So uh, pretty pretty, pretty good setup indeed. Let's turn the page to uh, to Sunday night. I was, uh, I was in the Dome for that Monday night football game. Unbelievable environment. I know Saints fans are incredible all the time. But to get home opener on Monday night – and then play two on the road, and then get a Sunday night game. Pretty incredible way to start the year. Now, it certainly has been a difficult slate. What's the mood going into this game with the Cowboys on Sunday night? Well, I think it would uh, equate really to that Monday night game. I mean, because obviously the Saints fans, a lot of them don't have to work. You'll go to get up and you'll go to church, and then the rest of it is tailgating and enjoying you know, the games that you get to watch, <laughs> and then you get an opportunity – uh, some 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 people will need a nap, some won't. But you get an opportunity to be able to go in the dome and cheer on your 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 team. And look, I, I've been around New Orleans a little bit, and you can already see the Cowboy fans. You see their paraphernalia. You see the flags flying. So 
Uh, and, and that was, you, you figured it. I mean, I, I imagine there will be anywhere between ten to 15,000 Cowboy fans in, in the Dome uh, on Sunday, but it's going to be an electric atmosphere, no doubt about it. Is it like that for most home games? Because I noticed that, that there was, I mean, it wasn't that many Texans fans. You're, you're talking about a newer franchise, but there were several thousand Texans fans that made that trip over. Relatively easy trip from Houston. Because New Orleans is kind of a destination and it's an event city and it's a fun trip, do most teams that come in as the visitor bring a pretty significant number of visiting fans? Most most teams, and when they come in, that's probably what you get. A lot of it is because it is so easy. A lot of it is because, you know, it, it's an opportunity to be able to go and see New Orleans, go and hang out. And like you said, there's always, you know, there, there may be a concert or something that we can catch. Or, you know, obviously the food is what gets you in trouble because you eat. You're overindulged. You eat too much. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you talk about the entertainment part of it, um, there's always something to be able to do. And so, uh, the weather's normally pretty good. You get a lot of people come in, they enjoy it, and then obviously you get to catch a football game. Yeah, yeah. Living in New Orleans full time would not be good for my waistline. If the way I ate in about a 36 hour period were any indication of what it would be like full time. Um, Cowboys, two 100-yard rushers last week and kind of a lackluster performance. They get the win. They did what they had to do. How how important is the running game going to be for Dallas on Sunday night against the Saints? Well, it'll, it'll be extremely important. And what's interesting is the Saints haven't given up a 100-yard rusher in almost two years. Last time to one wow. person as far as a running back, it was uh, in, in, in 2017. So uh, they've had different backs, teams to go over 100 yards, but they haven't given up a 100-yard rusher in almost two years. So uh, it'll be interesting that they put out the final injury report today. Sheldon Rankins is listed as questionable. I think it'll really be um, – what they want to do with their 46, their, their, their 46 guys that they have to have act, uh, active on what they do with, with Sheldon. But it'll be interesting to see if he does come back and kind of contribute this week or they hold off one more week on him. He's, he's, he's a big part. He's a, he's a big part of that run defense. But, I mean, for the Saints, uh, you're pretty much healthy. You're pretty much healthy um, defensively. The one thing that I think uh, quarterback runs – they have to be aware of Dak running the football I mean, because that's something that he can definitely do. But when you talk about making them uh, have to throw the ball, you have to be able to stop the run. So I think it's important uh, to win on first down. You know, and that's normally when teams like to run the ball, run the football. But the Cowboys have been able to use a little RPO, a little play action on first down, and hit you with the explosive plays as well. Deuce McAllister on the Farm Bureau phone line. You're far more in tune to this than I am, considering that you've played the position. But to my untrained eye, it looks like this uh, this Camara kid may be okay. He has a chance to be okay. I think he has a <laughs> chance to be okay. I mean, you know, what, what what's so amazing is the amount of tackles that he's he breaks. Uh, yeah. And then when you when you see AK, when you see Alvin, uh, he's not a very very big person, you know. Uh, he, he, he's about 5'10". They list him at 215. He's probably 207, 205. Uh, but he runs so hard. He, his balance, his vision. I mean, it, it's amazing to be able to watch it. And the one thing that was uh, kind of funny listening to Pete, Pete Carroll's post-game press conference was it's different when you see him run than what it is on film. I mean, because you, you've got all pro linebackers, uh, KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, which I think are very, very, very good players, but they're missing tackles. I mean, and it's, 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 
it's amazing to see him, you know, be able to break some of those tackles. And uh, very few people get a square shot or a solid lick on him. And, you know, that's just his, his ability to be able to avoid that big hit. With Drew out, and, and maybe even with Drew in, has Kamara elevated himself to being the, the top name or, or the top focus on the opponent's scouting report each week? When you talk about yes and no, I think you still – it starts with Michael Thomas. I mean, because okay. if you don't take him away, the Saints are the, the, the Saints are hard to beat. And so I think it's 1A, 1B. You have to be able to take Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara away. Sean is able to get the ball to Alvin in a lot of different ways. But one thing the Cowboys, I have to give it to him. I mean, when you talk about you go back and look at that game, whether you agree with the refs or not, but the Cowboys were able to limit both of those guys. They were able to limit uh, them being productive uh, as far as playmakers. And so that's one thing that I wouldn't be surprised to try to see Sean early on, get them in space, get the ball to him in different ways, whether it's through the slot, whether it's through, you know, just handoffs and, and where he's in space. That's one thing that uh, Sean is going to have to do because both of the, uh, you look at the linebackers for the Cowboys, they both can run and then obviously they had success uh, in covering Mike last year. Deuce, last thing, a minute left, maybe a little bit less than that. Who's the more dangerous tight end in this game? Is it Jared Cook or Jason Witten? Jared Cook, but he's got to be consistent. He has to get his confidence going. Right now, he's not very confident. I mean, Jason can do it. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that hurts you like he could in the past. But you know, Jared Cook can be a difference maker for the Saints. Yeah, really. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. I know it's going to be fun on Sunday night, man. Look forward to listening to you on the radio, and uh, hope everybody in uh, in New Orleans has got plenty to cheer about late Sunday night. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me on. That's Deuce McAllister on the Farm Bureau phone line. He's the color analyst for the New Orleans Saints, leading rusher in their history, former All-American at Ole Miss, and all-around good dude. Fun way to start the show. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet, Deuce McAllister from the Saints Radio Network. We'll dive into Mississippi State's game with Auburn, Ole Miss's game with Alabama, and a whole lot more with you when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. Friday afternoon, glad to have you along for the ride. Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. I'll take a shot at this one, Rippy. I think I heard this one before. Yeah? I bet Who? you have. State. There you go. Progress. He's getting better. He's getting better. Progress. Glad to have you along. Is there different versions to that one? Well, normally we don't. You don't hear all the buildup, like all the the fanfare piece of it before it just goes into the Hail State part. But uh, it's the main version. How's your Friday? Lovely. Hey, Dad, you have made it to the plains. I am here in Auburn. Yeah. Where are you staying? Uh, I'm at a microtel. Ah, there you go. Don't know that I've stayed there before, but it's like I think you're always downtown. I, I, I always think you feel like I'm going to say the Four Seasons or something. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just staying in a regular hotel. Team stays in Montgomery. I believe that's what they told us. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know that's what Ole Miss does, and some of the other teams do. Teams have stayed in Columbus, Georgia, also, which is just kind of across yeah, the state far. line, but yeah. uh, relatively small college town. Generally, got to stay outside the. Uh, the city limits. Auburn actually stays in Montgomery as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. They don't even stay in. Uh, does Mississippi State still? Uh, do they stay in Starkville now? 
on the night before the game? They stay they stay in Starkville, yes. Yeah. They have, they, they still have a goes to uh they still go to Tupelo for uh-huh. the uh the night before the game. Um give me a thought on the a big picture thought on this game tomorrow night. State's defense isn't good enough to win this game. Okay. That that that's my big picture thought. That that I think offensively, you know, they they are they can they can hang around for a while, uh, but I don't think I don't think they can make Bo Nix beat them as a passer. I think they're, Auburn will have enough success running the football to win the game. Hmm. What's the biggest storyline tomorrow, Rippy, for uh, for Ole Miss as they go to Tuscaloosa? There's one. Okay, it's a quarterback. And what quarterback's going to play? Sounds like John Rice Plumley. Okay. Think it's a mix of Plumley and Tisdale, or you think they are just going with John Rice Plumley? Not sure. Okay. Matt Corral, from all accounts, though, has not practiced this week. Is that correct? Correct. I told he did not do much yesterday either. Obviously, we didn't have availability or anything, but I wonder if he will. Uh, wonder if he'll. Eat... I mean, surely he'll make the trip, but probably won't dress, right? I mean, if he has not practiced all week, it would stand to reason that he wouldn't even dress for this game. Don't know that for certain. Uh, they may go out and warm up to try it. I'm not, again, 100% certain on that, but maybe. Hmm. Um, I mean, if that's the case, if John Rice Plumley is going to play tomorrow and is going to be the starter, what if it goes reasonably well? And I say reasonably well because I think there's a limit to how well it can go against a team like Alabama. But if, but if Ole Miss is if they move the ball some offensively, you know they get into the end zone a couple of times, two or three times, and and it looks like the offense is in sync. What does that mean going forward? I mean, I think barring something, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they know that at this point. Yeah, I would imagine they'd probably cross that when they cross that bridge when they got to it it makes the Vanderbilt week more interesting depends on how well it goes yeah Um, my question I mean and I understand why but people have been so hard on Matt Corral and I understand why there there are moments in their two losses where they could have won the game if he was a little bit more accurate and that may be something that he can never fix but I mean he's only played four real games ever he's a redshirt freshman this would have been his fifth start ever. He's done some really good things. He's done some really bad things. He's also learning an entirely new system, also learning how to read defenses. He's a young quarterback, and at times he's looked like a young quarterback, and at times he's looked like an uber-talented young quarterback. So why do people suddenly expect another young quarterback with no experience? Younger. Younger quarterback with no experience whatsoever to step in and be anything but an, uh, just another young quarterback. These guys need time to learn and figure things out. So, I, I, Because we're all extremely reactionary, right? I guess, and it's probably I mean, part of I it mean, is if, what? The if, la- if your question is why do people think that, it's got to be because of what they saw on two drives last week. But surely you got to take into account that it was two drives. And Cal was, I mean, it's splitting hairs, but Cal was not in that moment playing anything other than keep everybody in front of us and not give up two scores, and it it almost didn't work anyway. But 
they were allowing those underneath throws to be done. Alabama's not going to do that tomorrow. It's an entirely different animal. Rippy, would you think, though, that, that that would be the part of the offense that might actually be open? I completely get what Borky's saying, that Alabama probably doesn't allow a ton of that, but because of the depth issues and maybe the, the relative inexperience that they've got at linebacker, that if there's something that Ole Miss can have success with offensively, it may be kind of that short or to intermediate passing game? Sure. I think that's mostly what Hilinski did against them against, at when they played South Carolina and Duke kind of moved the ball in spurts doing that. So, yeah, I would think that's what they would be most susceptible to, particularly given the linebacker injuries. Bouncing back for a second to that Auburn-Mississippi State game, hey, Dad, going back to what you were talking about with Mississippi State's defense, you expect Auburn's game plan, and this would kind of be vintage Gus Malzahn if it turns out to be the case, pretty run heavy? I would think so, yeah, for sure. I think that uh, Mississippi State... You know, they haven't shown the ability to stop the run against basically anybody outside of maybe USM, who, as we all know, is not a great running team. Uh, but Louisiana, Kansas State, and Kentucky were all able to move the football on the ground against Mississippi State. Auburn has been a really good running team. Uh, Booby Whitlow is one of the better running backs in the conference. And, you know, I, I talked about on the podcast, I'll say it here, that, you know, if I'm state, my, my game plan is going to be I'm loading up the box and I'm going to tell Bo Nix, you know, hey, if you can beat me with your arm, great. But if you can't, we're going to try to do this. But I, I don't have enough faith, even at full strength, even if State plays Autry and Gay, which I, I think is 50-50 at this point. But even if they play those guys, I, I don't think I don't know that State can stop the Auburn running attack and, and, and get off the field consistently. When you look at Auburn's running numbers, Jatarvius Whitlow, uh, Booby Whitlow, if you prefer, is averaging 102 yards per game, five yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns on the ground. Joey Gatewood, who is the backup quarterback, and they've kind of developed a package for, is the second leading rusher. He's averaging six and a half yards per carry and has three touchdowns. Sean Shivers is kind of the next running back in that group and uh, good speed for him. Bo Nix has run it fairly effectively. He's averaging four yards a carry. And then they've got Cam Martin, who seems like kind of the lost guy in the backfield for uh, for Auburn. That's a running back that a lot of teams would like to have on their team, and he also is averaging a little over five yards per carry. So they've got a bunch of guys, a bunch of different type players that they're going to hand the ball off to and ask to go get some yards. Yeah, and the the, the guys that that you know, if I'm MSU, you know, you know about Whitlow and you know what Knicks can do. But Schwartz and, and Shivers, the speed guys, those are the ones. Anthony Schwartz can absolutely fly. Yeah, we've talked to, uh, I think, I forget who we talked to the other day about it, but it's not just football speed with him. It's Olympic speed. It's, he's a, I, I'm sorry, I talked to Brandon Marcello about it on my podcast. It's, it's not, it's not, oh, he's a football, fast football player. This, this guy, his, his goal in life is to be an Olympic sprinter. So when he gets the ball in the open field and he can turn and, and get upfield, I mean, he's gone. So that guy, Shivers, is a sort of, you know, not the same speed, but he's definitely very shifty and very elusive. Those are the guys that traditionally have had success against Mississippi State for Auburn. I always think back to two years ago, Will Hastings, who's not a speedster by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, working out of the slot had a big game for, against Mississippi State. So, you know, there's going to be a, there's going to be a couple of plays where those guys get the ball in the open field. We'll see how State reacts to those. But I, I just, like I said, State's defensive line has just not been up to snuff this year against the run game. And and in this game against a veteran Auburn offensive line, a coach who likes to run the football, you've got a, a true dual threat quarterback. It just doesn't add up to me that Mississippi State's going to be able to to do the things defensively they need to to get a win. 
Freshman quarterback for Auburn making his first SEC start. It is, uh, that's not true. He started on the road. So second SEC start, first home SEC start. Bo Nix on the year completing 54% of his passes. He's thrown for 645 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Mississippi State will either have a quarterback making their first SEC start or their first SEC road start, depending on whether or not it's Tommy Stevens or Garrett Schrader. Do you get a feeling? I know earlier in the week you said you thought 51-49 Schrader starts. Any more clarity now that we're just, oh, about 26 or so hours away from kickoff? No more official clarity at all. I put a poll up today on Twitter, and, and MSU fans are basically with me and, and my podcast partner, Joel Coleman. We both said 51-49. Schrader, that's what the fan base is saying, too. Uh, until I see Stevens out there on the field, I'm going to buy it that it's Schrader. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Had a couple of football games on television last night. Memphis Navy was the college game, and then Green Bay-Philadelphia. Fun game in Green Bay last night. Hey, Dad, your pick for the uh, the under, not Oops. a good pick. No. Uh, my pick for uh, Navy getting 11, not much better. Not a good pick. The pick we didn't go with for the uh, Pearl River Resort pick of the day was uh, Rippy's Philadelphia getting four and a half or five and a half. That would have been a good pick. Sports Talk Mississippi, back with you after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Mississippi, Friday afternoon. Good to have you along for the ride. You can text the show, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Best way for you to be a part of the conversation. You can also send us a tweet if you are interested in going that route at Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. Um... I'm not sure exactly what to make of this text. People jumping on a bandwagon kill me. Hashtag Ole Miss football. What does that mean? That came in when we were talking about replacing one young quarterback with another young quarterback and not expecting growing pains. There you go. So this breaking um, news about Ole Miss? Well, I mean, it's not specific to Ole Miss. What's that? People jumping on the that's, bandwagon. That's not what I'm talking about. I, said, I asked, did you see this breaking news about Ole Miss? Uh, no, what did I miss? Ole Miss and Purdue have agreed to a home-and-home football series in, are you ready? 2030, 2033 and 2034. How old will you be, Rippy? Is that 14 years from now? Dude, my kid will be in high school when these games are played. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> 14 years from now. How old will I be then? 38, 40, I'll be 52? I'll be 57. God. All right. Why they, what is the deal? That's I where we, I mean, but you have to do it that far out now. I mean, I, I mean, do you? I guess you have to. I don't know. When you're talking they, about Power think, 5 opponents. I think Elon they tell Manning. us that because that's what they want to do. I think they could probably do it the same way basketball and baseball do it, just do it year to year if they really wanted to, but they don't. There you go, Brett McMurphy, Ole Miss-Purdue at home-home series in 33 and 34. 
at Ole Miss in 33, at Purdue in 34. So tell your four-year-old kid what he has to look forward to. <laughs> How old's your son? Six. So he'll be in the student section. Uh, well, I mean, if he goes to school, I'm going to make Miss, an assumption he might be. that he'll go to Ole Miss. I'm just going to make that assumption. He, he's a smart Why? kid. He'd go to Harvard, I guess. I don't know, but I'm just saying. I don't, I don't know that I would make that assumption today. Okay. For any of my kids. I mean, if that's where they want to go to school, that'll be fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you would force them into it. I'm just saying they live in Oxford. They're going to grow up Ole Miss fans. They might want to go to Ole Miss. Or might want to get away and experience something else. They might. Got a buddy of mine that uh, has a son that's a senior in high school right now and kind of fits the, the mold for what you were just describing. And That's common with a lot of kids around here. Get out, do yeah. something different. He, he may very well end up at Ole Miss, but looking at Auburn and South Carolina and Georgia. and yeah. So we'll see. I tried that's, to go to uh, Furman, but they said no. Who said no? Furman. You should have showed up anyway. <laughs> Wait. Furman turned you down? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't really want to go there. I just felt like it was the, the hometown school. I I need I, I grew up going to Furman games. That's who I liked as a kid. Um and yeah, it was a it was a hard no. I mean the finances wouldn't have been there anyway because like you need to refinance your house ten times to pay for a small private school like that. But yeah, Furman said no. Did you actually apply? I did. I went I went I got said no to by Furman and Missouri's journalism school, and that was it. I got in everywhere else. Most recent tuition, so this is tuition only, tuition and fees, doesn't include room and board for Furman. This was as of 2016-17? Oh, wait, no, here's an updated. $50,464 a year. Total cost of attendance to be a paladin? $67,368. $67,368. I think that's my biggest regret at being 17, 18. It's not like looking at like a wider variety of colleges. Should have taken that way more seriously. Where else would you have looked? Would you have stayed in the SEC footprint? Possibly. If there would have been like, like Texas schools, would have probably been. Like not saying I'm wait. You would have gone to the cult at no, 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 no. Like I'm saying, like if you're talking out of SEC footprint ish, like that probably like SMU go be a Highland Park kid. Maybe it's a good spot. You want to see what SMU's tuition is? No. Let's check. I do not. Let's, do it uh, anyway. let's like, check. You got my general premise. Yeah. Uh, SMU the tuition of it. 2019 tuition fees and living costs analysis. Fifty six thousand five hundred sixty two dollars a year. <laughs> What a bargain compared to Furman. Living in Dallas, too. Yeah. It's not a bad spot. To live. Uh, I'm sorry. That's tuition and fees. Total cost to go to uh, SMU. Oh. 71338 can tell you where I don't think Obi or Ava Montgomery or Francis will be going to school. Come study hard. I, I mean, I don't want to Get throw up any barriers right out of the gate. We'll, we'll we'll try to do what they want to do, but that's a bit much. Seventy-five thousand. I mean, by the time look, I mean, we're about ten years from now when Ava Montgomery's headed down that road, like be eighty-five thousand a year to go to SMU. Whew. Good school, pretty campus. It better be. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. 
Memphis Band wasn't able to play that a ton early, but they uh, did play it a good bit in the uh, second half. Memphis getting a win over Navy last night. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you excuse me, every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're looking to buy a piece of recreational property, maybe you're adding to the size of the farm, maybe you're going to build a dream house in the country. If you're in North Mississippi, let Mississippi Land Bank help you with the financing. Check them out online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. On this day in 2008, Florida suffered its only loss of the season en route to a national championship. That was the infamous game in which Tim Tebow cried in the postgame and made the promise that uh, was later inscribed on a plaque and affixed to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Ole Miss winning over uh, Florida on September 27th, 2008. Tebow did all that for free. Twenty-four. Uh, Tim Tebow that day, 24 of 38. 319 yards and a touchdown. You look at the numbers, Ole Miss did not dominate statistically. Jevin Steed had a couple of big passes late in that ball game. He was 9 of 20 on the day for 185 yards, but two touchdowns and an interception. Isn't it weird to look and see a quarterback throw for only 20 passes in a game? It's, uh, that's where we are. Uh, Dexter McCluster had 11 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Bolden, 13 carries for 55 yards. Shea Hodge had a huge day. Three catches for 133 yards, including an 86-yard uh, reception in the ballgame. Big day for Percy Harvey. Harvin. 13 catches, 186 yards, and a touchdown. That was the uh, the day after the presidential debate. So uh, I guess September 26, 2008, was when they had the... Uh, uh, President Obama-Senator McCain debate, which at the time was a couple of senators that was at the uh, Ford Center. That was a crazy week in Oxford. Yes? I don't want to get political, but it would be kind of humorous to play a side-by-side of that debate versus like any debate that happens now. Slightly more respectful. <laughs> Probably just a tad. And that was to the point where you actually had candidates as well. So if you, I mean, If you could play a Trump-Hillary debate... At the same time as oh, it would make for really entertaining television, in my opinion. That was um, that was a really cool deal. Well, that, that was a big deal too, wasn't it? To, it like was, for it, it to be held there and all that, like. And it almost didn't happen. Really? Yeah, that week. That's when you had a um, was a government shutdown, Borky, that happened. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I, I, were you fifteen, Borky? <laughs> no, I'm trying to. That was about right. Uh, right? I was I was sixteen. Yeah. Okay. There was a government shutdown that happened that week, and the McCain campaign kind of put everything on hold. Um, I actually, it was a it was a cool time. I had a small event management company, and we were running a post debate rally that was at the Lyric. So there was a watch party and a post debate rally for the McCain campaign. And all of this preparation and work and money had been spent and everything, and then all of a sudden everything just went into a holding pattern as to 
is this actually going to happen? And uh, I got things squared away to the point that uh, it did happen, but it's pretty cool. Pretty cool experience. Uh, Jason in Columbus says it was the Great Recession bailout. That's a, that's right. You ran a what company? How many hats do you wear? I don't have that anymore. That was a uh, business that had some highs and some lows, and it was time to move on and do something else. Ran its course. But as a result, I got to work on a presidential campaign. Like, I went and spent the last two weeks of that campaign on the road and, uh, like, was the lead advance person for two rallies in the last two weeks. One in Defiance, Ohio, and one in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Missed opportunity there not to get named in some kind of scandal. For me not to get named yeah. in a scandal? <laughs> well. And in Roswell, you're right there. You could have been way ahead of this Area 51 thing. That is very true. Okay, so did that happen last weekend? By the way, they just showed up uh, and not near as many, and they just kind of had like a concert in the desert. And no, nobody tried to storm the gates. Nobody ran Naruto style to uh, to try to get to the aliens. Probably just as well. That means those people are still alive. Yeah. Well, either way. Hey, uh, hey, Dad. On the uh, the tickets that we had printed up for the uh, for the rally in Roswell, which was the night before the election. Uh-huh. We actually had uh, UFOs on the tickets. Well, there you go. It was. I've got one of those somewhere. Like that's branding. Tucked that's away in a drawer somewhere. You, you to uh, get to get the boys back and run my campaign for me. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to do that. I'll start my guess with city is council. The, uh, budgets are slightly different. Yeah, I've got like fifty bucks. So you know, get me a few signs. I can win city council with a uh, with a little budget and some expertise. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we're going to get that budget from the vote Borky for something T-shirts that we're going to sell. See, that's right. I'm going to muddy the waters against your opponent. <laughs> two, two, two thoughts here. One, a couple of notes on uh, on Twitter. Jason in Columbus and uh, a 601 uh, text as well, which I appreciate. I just kind of forgot what was going on. It wasn't a government shutdown. It was when the big banks failed, and they were making the determination as to who gets saved and who gets bailed out and who doesn't. So. Kind of a big economic deal back in 2008. Probably a dumb question, but if Bush is still the president, why does that debate not happen? Because you had two sitting senators. Oh, yeah, I guess that's And the Congress was making the decisions. I said it was a dumb question. Well, no, it wasn't a dumb question. It's just <laughs> that was the answer. So so here, I'll just tell you a quick story on this. And and there are a bunch of different directions I could go, but I, I'll just tell you this. in In campaign land... It is unbelievable how much money gets thrown around and spent in a really short period of time. So I had to go shadow, because I had never done this before, uh, an event in Denver and kind of learn how to run one of these things. So I had like a four-day crash course in Denver. And then I land. Um, so Ole Miss played Arkansas on that Saturday night in Fayetteville. That was the, uh, the Houston Nut-Bobby Petrino game that Ole Miss won. It was a night game. It was on pay-per-view or CSS or something, and I did the uh, television broadcast from that. So I flew in from Denver and did that and then flew out to Defiance, Ohio. I land and don't know a soul in that small, quaint Ohio town, meet with some party representative that afternoon, and basically got an email that said, uh, need to put together a rally that will happen on Thursday morning at 8 o'clock. That'll be... Uh, Senator McCain's first stop of the day, and you have a $180,000 budget. Good luck. 
we did a rally for 8,000 people on Thursday morning. And the only drama was whether or not it was like a heavy frost and we had to like scrape all the ice off the stage in the walkway that morning. So cool. I, I don't know that I've ever slept less in my life than I slept in those two weeks. But it was kind of like this adrenaline, I don't know, whatever. Was it a requirement to spend all of the money? So, like, they give you 180k, and what if it only costs 140? What do you do with the other? No, 40? that was that was the point where funds were tight, and it was kind of the end of the road, and everybody was hoping that they would still get paid. So they were all for, you know, if you can save eleven thousand dollars, go for it. But I mean, we brought like you know, the, a massive American flag is kind of a staple backdrop. So we get an American flag that's. Oh, I don't know, 50 by 80 feet, 50 feet by 80 feet. Well, what are you going to do with that? And this is this old-timey school. Like, the main part of the school is a three-story building, like idyllic, red brick, you know, old-time high school. And on the, then it's a one-story kind of on the sides. And so I have the idea we're going to um, – we, we got a crane. I rented a crane and we ran the crane arm up and suspended an American flag from about 150 feet in the air. It's kind of like a side backdrop. Anyway, right. kind of cool. I remember needing a rally. I'm calling you. Somebody says, on to sports any day now. Jeff says, never mind, you're talking about 2008. I was thinking your time at 2012. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, I didn't mean to tell a story that was boring to you. It was kind of cool for me. No, that's a good story. We're telling stories. It's Friday. That's fine. It's good to know sports guys out there still listening, though. Yeah, Absolutely. Good to have you back. I Would you like? You uh, uh, I wonder if um, he'd like us to break down the uh, X's and O's piece of Ole Miss Alabama. Will Ole Miss be able to contain Alabama's speed? Next on Undisputed. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bunch to get to this afternoon. Most of it sports related. Sit tight. You can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Friday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. High school football coming up. This is week six, right? Yeah, it's week six, and it's the opening uh, slate of regional games for 6A and 5A tonight, and it's this is always one of the most fun weeks of the year, Richard, because it's like a new season for these guys out there. By week six, you've kind of figured yourself out. You kind of know what's going on. Same token, your opponents kind of figured you out. They, they kind of know what you're all about. And so that makes for really fun games. And the biggest game tonight has so many storylines. I almost did a whole show about it, but I had to cut it down. Uh, and that's Startville taking on South Panola. Yeah, that voice you hear is Will East. He will host the preview show for high school football coming up immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi. Stephen Gagliano in the studio as well. Got the uh, Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show. Get started at 10 tonight and will run until 1130. I guess one more piece to this is, you know, in addition to, to what you said, Will, there are a bunch of teams, a bunch of teams across Mississippi that last week. Uh, used an opportunity to get healthy with an open date before they jump into region play. Yeah, which is something we don't have a whole lot of. Uh, you just don't see that every – I mean, every now and again, for some reason they have it. But last week, I think like half of the teams took off. 
Uh, Stephen Gagliano also took the night off, I noticed. Uh, so I, had to I, do I the picked show. a good night to do it. Yeah, there was nothing going on. And then everybody was playing these out-of-state schools. So it was kind of a weird weekend last uh, last Friday night. All right, what are we looking for in South Panola at Starkville tonight? Oh, my gosh, where to begin? Uh, South Panola's undefeated, uh, which if I told you that five years ago, you'd been like, duh. Uh now it's kind of like, wait a minute, South Panola, are they back? Well, I don't go quite as far saying as they're back to where they were when Ricky Woods was originally coaching South Panola, but they're 5-0, and and they've, they've beaten some really good teams, and they've dominated in some of these games, and they're playing Starkville, the team that has been the perennial powerhouse kind of they haven't won all the state championships that South Panola did, but they've been right there in the mix. They've been that number one team year in, year out. Uh, and by the way, Coach Ricky Woods, where was he at before he came back to South Panola? He was at Starkville winning a state championship. So this game has a lot of stuff going on for it. Oh, by the way, this is South Panola's first foray into Region 2 of 6A, yeah. may, maybe the most competitive region in all of Mississippi high school football. And Starkville kind of came into the season with a lot of people thinking they were going to be the best team in 6A. And now they're 3-2 and two coming into region play. But like Will said, this is kind of a chance to hit the reset button for a lot of teams, and we're going to see if Starkville can be one of those teams tonight. Um, talking about teams playing out of state last week. How about an MAI, uh, MAIS versus MHSAA matchup? Taylorsville at Jackson Prep tonight. Does that do anything for you? Yeah. That's going to be a pretty good one. I mean, you got Ty Keys of Taylorsville, who Stephen is maybe, I mean, I think he's, what, a junior, but he's already being right. touted as one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in quite a while in Mississippi. Absolutely, yeah. And he's, you know, in high school football, a lot of the times quarterbacks don't do a lot through the air. It's, you know, all centered around the running game. But he really can do both, kind of like a Jimmy Holiday at Madison Central or some of these guys. But because, you know, Taylorsville may be a little smaller, he might not get the kind of exposure that guys in 6A uh, do, but he definitely deserves it. South Mississippi, Oak Grove, and George County tonight? So Oak Grove lost one of those out-of-state matchups last week. They were just scoring points left and right. They had a one receiver who had like close to 300 yards receiving in a game. And then last week they played this team called Archbishop Rummel out of New mm. Orleans, and mm. they scored three points. So now they're three and one, and then they got to go on the road to play George County, and this is maybe a little bit of an upset alert because George County has a really good defense. They've got McKinley Jackson. Uh, I think he's a four-star recruit. A lot of teams are looking at him at, on the defensive line. Uh, this might be a little bit of a trap for Oak Grove, especially considering what they did last week in that loss against Archbishop Rummel. West Point at Lafayette tonight, and how about a? way to start region play for those two teams. West Point has been really, really good, but you've got, what, the one kind of inexplicable loss there, and then Lafayette was rolling along undefeated and then ran into a buzzsaw in the Crosstown Classic two weeks ago uh, against Oxford. This is a big one for those two teams. So, if you were to rank the top five games from last year, the two times that Lafayette and West Point met up would be in that top five. Those were two of the best football games. I didn't watch them. I listened to them. They were two of the best games I've ever heard. I mean, they were exactly everything you would want a high school football game to be. West Point won both of those games, but it was very close. They won by one in the original in the uh, regular season, and then they won by seven points in the, the playoff game, which was actually a better game. 
I don't know if we're going to see that this year. I hope we see some something like that. It would be amazing. But this is West Point's toughest test in the regional slate of games. West Point has not lost a regional game since 2014. They have one thing that they wow. do is they dominate the regional play. And remember, they had Oxford in there for a little bit, and for years it was kind of West Point or Oxford. Well, towards the end of that that rivalry series before Oxford got moved up to 6A, West Point started dominating, and Lafayette has kind of stepped into that role that Oxford had all those years ago. Uh, but can they get over the hump? I don't know if they can because West Point is really – yeah, they had that blimp against Louisville, but they've kind of rounded into form and they've kind of found themselves. You know, the thing for me, and, and I've only seen a little bit of Lafayette this year, but but I think this is true for a lot of schools. Um, you got to be able to throw the football some. And yeah. you, you've still got a bunch of schools in the state of Mississippi that are heavy, heavy, heavy in the run. And then when you get into a spot where you've got to be able to throw it, it can be a little uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that's what they've kind of suffered from, I guess. Uh, and they, you know, they've lost some players. They don't have Brandon Turnage uh, this year like they did last year. So I think that's may, maybe a reason why they struggle in this game. Uh, one other game to look forward to in five A is Picayune taking on East Central. That one's going to be okay. a basketball score by the end of it. It probably will be. Uh, and there's also a little family rivalry going on because hmm. the head coach of Picayune, uh, Dodd Lee, this is his last year of football. He's retiring. He's been coaching for nearly forty years. Wow. Two state championships. Well, he's coaching tonight against East Central's Seth Smith, who happens to be his son-in-law. Uh, so. You know, when it's when you're coaching against your son, like if you're Bobby Bowden coaching against Tommy Bowden or something like that, yeah, you kind of root for your son a little bit. But when it's your son-in-law, you want to grind him into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Dodd Lee's not taking his foot off, off no, the no, gas, no, given, no. given the opportunity. No. That, that's uh, that, that feels like a, um, uh, a safe assumption. Who's the best team on the coast? Biloxi right now, I would say. Yeah, four and they up. host the Iberville tonight, right? Yeah, so that, that should be a... Uh, probably Biloxi's toughest game so far. Uh, you've actually got two undefeated teams in 6A on the coast, which is kind of weird uh, because that's been the region that has struggled the most in 6A. They haven't made – I don't think they've made it to the second round of the playoffs the past couple of years. But right now you've got St. Martin undefeated and you've got Biloxi undefeated. Biloxi's played a little bit of a tougher schedule. That's the team kind of going into the season that everybody was hyping a little bit more in 6A on the coast. Um, so I would say they're the top team in 6A on the coast, but I think Picayune, I mean, as good as they are, I think they could beat <laughs> They could be a lot of these 6A, and they have beaten a lot of these 6A teams on the coast. Back-to-back road trips for uh, a reigning state champion. Last week we talked about Water Valley going to Calhoun City. This week they go to Winona. Good game here? Well, you know, it's this year's got so much parity Uh I think it could be a good game. Water Valley, I just haven't – I've listened to a couple of their games. I just don't know if they have everything they had last season. Uh, they lost that game last week against Calhoun City. I think that – you got to almost throw that one out of the out of the mix because think about it like this. You're playing Calhoun City in the Boneyard. There's been six A teams that go in there and struggle. Uh, it, you know, it just – it happens. There's been five A teams that have gone in there and lost. I've seen it. Uh, it just happens. So Water Valley, I think, will be okay. Uh, Winona, I'm a little bit unsure about Winona. I haven't seen their uh, their schedule uh, and how they've done this year. But I think Water Valley is going to be all right at the end of this. 
What do we need to be looking for tonight? I, I know we started with South Panola, Star, uh, South Panola and Starkville. I know you guys will spend some time on the uh, high school football preview show when we finish up talking about that game. Is there is there a, a storyline? Is that the biggest storyline tonight? To me, that's the biggest storyline. The other big storyline is there's so much parity this year. Is We don't have very many undefeated teams, and a lot of undefeated teams are facing tough competition. I think by the end of the night when the dust settles, I think we're going to be – half of those undefeated teams are going to be uh, gone. They're going to have a loss in, in the uh, L column. And I think that you're going to see, especially with this South Panola Starkville game, I think we're going to find out who's real. Steven, you're a month and a half into the scoreboard show. You got all those yahoos in line and, and everybody exactly how you want them? <laughs> Trying to. Still some work to do. Quite the cast of characters on the uh, Farm Bureau Insurance Company's scoreboard show. Certainly want to hear from you on that later tonight. Uh, you'll hear from people all over the state covering games, uh, calling games, at games. It's a lot of fun and a good way to wrap up your Friday. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks. High School Preview Show, when we finish up at 6, Scoreboard Show starts tonight at 10 o'clock. And uh, you can always go to supertalk.fm to keep up with scores and uh, listen to a bunch of games online. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We were in uh, Boonville yesterday previewing the uh, Northeast... ICC game last night. Northeast won that game 14 to 12. Hines beat Pearl River 51 to 9 last night. Gulf Coast went to uh, Wesson and got a pretty impressive 38-20 win over Colin. Holmes knocked off Northwest 47 to 42. A little bit of a surprise result there. Uh, East Mississippi 24 to nothing over East Central and Jones College beat Southwest 34-6. to Two, One game tomorrow as uh, Mississippi Delta is at Cahoma. So that's what's happening in the JUCO ranks. Hey, Dad, are you angry? What would I be angry about? That uh, there was not an in-depth breakdown of uh, St. Al's game tonight? St. <laughs> Al Capaya Academy. Where, where, where were they on that? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be comprehensive. Jeez. There you go. Derek in Greenwood says Pillow Academy versus Heritage is going to be a barn burner tonight. So we'll uh, we'll have to check that one out. Uh, Jason in Taylorsville says word on the street is Ty Keys has already committed to Ole Miss. I don't know what street right, he's Jason. hanging out on. Thanks for the, uh, the word on the street. Stan in Ripley says, I want to know about Moorville. A bunch of kids suspended and they walked off the field against New Albany with eight minutes left to play. Not uh, familiar with that story. And then a, a question about whether or not the South Panola-Starkville game will be available at supertalk.fm. The answer to that is yes. If you've not checked out uh, supertalk.fm for high school football coverage, tons of games across the state streaming and, of course, on your local uh, Supertalk stations uh, in your communities as well. So a bunch uh, a bunch coming up on that front. Um. Let's see, Borky. You want to do two questions, or do you want to do this uh, Dish Network dispute? Your call. Well, I'm perking up a little bit on this front because I have Dish Network. So they were running promos on the NFL game last night, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they had live reads on the pregame show, and they had commercials, and they were uh, blunt, basically saying, Dish took away your Fox. If you want to watch football this weekend, if you want to watch these games and these games in the Major League Baseball playoffs, switch providers. Hmm. It's pretty wild. I think we've now seen that for every single television provider on planet Earth this football season. Let's start with this. How's that a good move? What? For the television station. Uh, It's not. Television. But, but, I mean, the whoever your provider is, in theory, is trying to protect you from rising costs. So they're having to negotiate with Fox or with ESPN, Disney, or, or, or whomever because those companies want more money from the TV providers, which ultimately is going to be passed along to the consumers. So they're in a bitter negotiation battle, and the biggest leverage point is, well, we'll just use football to sway you. On Fox, Sunday NFL ratings are up 7%. Thursday night football is up 18%. Their college football Saturdays are up 44%, and all of their pregame shows, NFL Sunday, NFL kickoff, and big noon kickoff, which is college, are up over last year. Dish subscribers will miss critical sporting events as the satellite and streaming service blacked out Fox amid a carriage dispute. I did not look at a Fox channel this morning to see if it was blacked out. I guess it was. FS1, FS2, Big Ten Network, Fox Soccer Plus, and Fox Deportes are all blocked for Dish customers. Fox has launched a website dedicated to informing viewers on the blackout that impacts 17 markets across 23 states plus Washington, D.C. Now, DISH has countered with a press release saying that consumers should urge Fox to focus on reaching a fair deal. Here's what potentially you could miss. Week 4 NFL games. Redskins at the Giants, Panthers at the Texans, Chiefs at the Lions, and Buccaneers at the Rams. And your college football games tomorrow. College football games tomorrow. Major League Baseball final weekend. And and to me, here's where it gets a little hairy. Major League Baseball playoffs start next week. Tuesday. Wild card games on Tuesday, but those are both on ESPN. So you're looking at... Both are on ESPN? The one Tuesday and Wednesday are? Mm, at least Tuesday is. I'm not sure. Wednesday may not be. Tuesday's game is on ESPN. So, am I wrong? Same thing. Wednesday's game's on ESPN. But... Okay. Anyway. What, MLB Network? For TBS the... is the okay, other one. Okay, so TBS for the first one, ESPN on Wednesday. You got to get this worked out pretty quickly, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like Oklahoma fans tomorrow. Pretty big, powerful fan base. Can't watch Oklahoma tomorrow if they're on Dish. Southern Cal and Washington. All of Dish has lost all of Fox and its subsidiary channels. Yep. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of a PSA, but I mean, live sports is the only thing that is valuable for terrestrial television providers anymore. Because you get... All of the good movies and shows are being put out on Netflix now. I mean, or, or Hulu or whatever. They're all generating their own content. 
So you're not getting getting anything there. All the other stuff, like award shows and those kind of things, all of those numbers are, are just free-falling. What did we have? The Grammys the other night? It was down like was 44 or whatever it was. Down like 44%. Just a free-fall. Programming other than live sports is in a complete free-fall. And they're using the live sports as their leverage when Dish Cut and Sling. This applies to Sling, too. And for Sling people, all it takes is a pull-up of a website and a typing in of a username, and they have a different service today. They don't even have to call anybody. So why yeah. they're using the sports to leverage this, when all it's going to do is cause people to not wait around and just flip, blows my mind. My guess is it has less of an impact in the South because it's Fox. And there are no SEC games on Fox. Only and NFL, over... and even that's kind of you know, hit or miss. Yeah, no, no, it's a bigger deal, but they don't have... A massive game. But, I mean, if if not for Sunday Night Football, you would be missing Cowboys Saints because that's on the NFC side of things, which is on Fox. But because it's a Sunday Night Football game, it's on NBC, and you're not not worried about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, my guess is it gets worked out. That these things that that that's how they seem to work, right? I mean, they go right down to the deadline. And Fox wants its customer, or Fox wants everybody to have the games. Dish wants everybody to have the games. And so they come to some sort of an agreement and make it happen. We'll do the two questions thing when we come back, but let's start. I think it'll be a little bit shorter answer on the Ole Miss side of things. Borky, you say, well, I'll let you do it. Go ahead. Yeah, there aren't any moral victories in the SEC West, but. It- I was thinking earlier that this game could have like a 2012 feel to it. If you remember back when Ole Miss played in Tuscaloosa, they largely weren't competitive, but they played pretty well and looked competent on the field. So what would it take for Ole Miss to have that kind of feeling? Because they're not going to go over there and win the football game. So is there anything that they can do that is possible to where they get back on the buses and not feel bad about themselves on the way home, if that makes sense? So there's no moral victories, but is there something they can do over there to where they're coming home and they feel pretty good going into Vanderbilt? I mean, the snarky answer is cover, right? I mean, I think that can be the non-snarky answer, too, if you phrase it in the sense that move the football, score some points, 45-20-ish. I mean, it's not set in stone as far as score, but like you lose by 25 points, you put up three touchdowns. Don't feel awful. It's a very South Carolina-ish blueprint. And people walked away from South Carolina's game against Alabama more impressed with South Carolina than they were going in. Absolutely. Holinsky made his debut at the uh, at the quarterback spot against Alabama and gave South Carolina fans some hope on that front. Brian Scott Rippey reporting that John Rice Plumley is going to start tomorrow for World Ole Miss, so he will be making his debut as a starting quarterback. Nothing like going to the number two team in the country with the national televised audience to get your uh, your first start. Would you agree with this statement that optics are important tomorrow? Yes. Go there and look like you belong on the field. You're not going to win, but go there and look like you are a team that's in the same division as Alabama because last two years you haven't. And that's important as... Weird as that is. I think 
Here's the crazy thing, because morale matters some. I mean, I guess it matters with fans, but I, I would say it even matters with the team. If Ole Miss plays a good game against Alabama tomorrow, they're going to know it when the game's over. Even if they get beat by 25 or 30, they'll know whether or not they played well or not. And if you walk away from that feeling like you played well, that maybe is something you can build on. All right, you know the rules. Two questions. Fire away, Borky. Mississippi State absolutely has to do what if they want to beat Auburn on the Plains tomorrow? Stop the Auburn running game. That, 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 I, that's as much as I can sum it up. That's as much as I can nutshell it for you. If, if they can do that, they can win the game. If they can't, they can't. Take it a little farther. You don't have to nutshell it. We've got time. <sighs> I mean, from what we've seen from MSU this year, they have not been successful stopping the run against just about anybody. Um, and even with, you know, Willie Gay and, and Lee Autry, if they decide to play those guys, I, I just don't see them being able to do that. But if they can, if they can load up the box and they can maybe the, the maybe the way to look at it would be to say if they can force Bo Nix to beat them as a passer, they can win the football game. So that that's gotta be the key. If if Bo Nix goes out and throws for four hundred yards tomorrow, well God bless him. But if you can make him, you know, throw the ball the way he's thrown it the rest of the season, you know, right at 50%, then, then you have a chance to win if, if you can limit the, what they're doing offensively in the run game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dovetail off of that and say the Bulldogs absolutely have to protect the football if they want to win. I'm, now, I'm not trying to give you just like the, the classic can't turn it over and expect to win. Here's the rationale behind that. Turnovers on the minus side of the field. So when you're in your half of the field, if you turn it over to Auburn and give them a short field so that Bo Nix doesn't have to go on a 9-play 72-yard drive or an 11-play 81-yard drive to get to the end zone, if he and that Auburn offense are getting the ball at the 30 or the 40 or the 17 with a chance to put points on the board... That's not a recipe for success for Mississippi State. And I know that's always kind of not a recipe for success, but particularly with a young and relatively unproven quarterback at this point, I would say it's especially important. So Mississippi State must protect the football. Fair enough. How's this one? Complete passes down the field by distributing the football to multiple guys like you have done before because you're not winning this game the way you did last year. You're not racking up 300-something yards on the ground. Kylan Hill's not going to go off like he did. You're, you're not Whoever's playing quarterback's not going to run like Fitzgerald did on them last year. They have to throw the football down the field effectively. Okay. I agree with that. that as well. I think that with Stevens, that's why if if I'm if he can play Stevens, if Stevens is healthy, I think he gives State a better chance to win because I do think they need to be able to open that offense up a little bit. And they absolutely cannot do what if they want to win tomorrow. <sighs> they can't make little mistakes. Uh, you, you think about State last year on the road. Think about their first road game last season. They went up to Kentucky with 16 penalties, turnovers. Mm-hmm. They they let Kentucky get in their head. They just they played ugly. State has to play a clean game tomorrow. They can't. You know, if you make if you make a, a turnover, that happens. But 
don't set yourself up in a situation where it's first and 10. Oh, false start. Now we're first and 15. Oh, another false start. Now it's first and 20. The crowd's going crazy. You're, you're never going to get out of that hole. Mississippi State cannot incite the Auburn crowd by attempting to shoot the eagle out of the sky prior to the game. It's a good point. It's illegal. It's an eagle. Can't do that if you want to win. It'd be too much to overcome. I don't disagree with that. Plus, having a firearm on a college campus is a bad plan anyway. Hey, Dad, you should try to corral the eagle. What do I know about corralling an eagle? You see the guy do it, just go stand next to him and learn. Look, so so when I did, you know, I did the one game last year at Auburn, the Liberty at Auburn game. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be interesting? I got a sign of that game, and it was this year. I know. Uh, There'd but, be less room in the press box. But uh, but I digress. Um, <laughs> what is it? Spirit? I think that's the name. Spirit I think something? I think that is the animal's name, yes. Um, hey, it's an eagle. Watch it. Landed uh, on like some random guy's head in the stands. Oh, wow. Oh, that's right. I did, remember did, this. Did not go to the intended. Or was or, that a bowl, Auburn's bowl game? The Music City Bowl this happened, didn't it? Yeah. I think it pooped uh, on someone's head. State was here a few years back <laughs> when, it it ran it, when it ran oh, into the Oh, yeah, it ran the, into uh, the window. I forgot the about that. Box. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't no, sound I like a smart it, bird. You and then know, there, was one year it just, there was one year it just it flew off. Eagle lands. Well, maybe I just made that story up for my memory's sake then. At the Cotton Bowl, was who's in the Cotton Bowl? Not Auburn. Last uh, year, an eagle, an eagle at the Cotton Bowl. It was Bowl just an eagle. Released. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was just an eagle. It was not Auburn's eagle. So I think my story is accurate. I'll have to go back and uh, and double check. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Two hours in the books. College football fix coming up next in the Renaissance Bank Studio on this Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Friday afternoon, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour. Welcome to the weekend. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Portkey. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're a farmer, you've got equipment needs, need to get a production loan, need to buy more property to enlarge the size of the farm, or maybe it's refinancing an existing loan, let Mississippi Land Bank help you. They've been in the land financing and refinancing business for over 100 years. Good people, solid people. They know the business inside and out. You will be glad that you called them. You'll be glad that you chose to work with them. Check them out online, mslandbank.com, where we know, or where they know, the lay of the land. College football fix. Time for that right now. I'm a man. I'm 40. Whoops. I'm not a, I'm not a man. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Sorry that about that. That is a lovely permed mullet. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive an F-150 today. Great deals on them. You can start your search online, buyfordnow.com. Check them out. Good savings plus the leather and liner promotion still going at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Time for us to make some picks. Our weekly picks segment is brought to you by the Pearl River Resort. 
presented by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. When you visit Philadelphia, be sure you stop in at the Golden Moon or any of the Pearl River Resort properties. You've got great golf at Dancing Rabbit. You've got fantastic restaurants. You've got the water park. You've got live music and events at the uh, in the concert venue. And, of course, you've got great gaming, plus the sports book at Timeout Lounge. What a way to spend a weekend. You can do it with buddies. You can do it with your wife. Make it a couple's trip. Whatever you like, make your plans to stop by the Pearl River Resort in Philadelphia. Let's make some picks, Michael Borky. Yeah, and this SEC slate is just brutal. Tuck out the FCS games, and we've only got five in the SEC to pick. And I brought up three nationals as well, just in case we want to do those. But we'll start... Uh, in Arkansas, Texas A&M is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite in Fayetteville. we got to know our standings. We never did the two questions with Ole Miss. Just putting it out there for the record. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> I did okay. tally him. I'm in the lead, but... Uh, of course. Of course he's in the lead. It's he not by much, though. He's, hey, he's in the he lead. He says he tallied course. them. I mean, tallied, yeah. He needs some numbers. Tally-ho. It's not by much. By, by how many games do you lead? It's like two. It's like two? I don't remember. Is it one is it three? I what did it Monday. It? <laughs> Write it down. I haven't read that. I've got it in the office. We're we're good. All right, I'm gonna have to start recording this myself so I can actually bring our results to the uh, to the show. The integrity of the show has been compromised fairly quickly. I will lay the twenty three and a half, not because I have that much confidence in Texas A and M, but because I have that little confidence in Arkansas. Bit of a bounce back this week for Jimbo's boys. After the, um, well, just the, the kind of non competitive game, despite the final score last week against Auburn. It's a bunch of points, but I'll lay them. It, it's not enough points. I'll take AM and, and give the points. Boy, when they signed this series back when AM was coming into the conference and Petrino was still at Arkansas, but they thought they were going to get some good games, but they were wrong. Upon further review, yeah. All right, Rippy. Yes. Oh, Arkansas, without the, in the absence of all logic. Just fading yeah. us because? It's a lot of points. Quote, unquote, rivalry game. Can you really be that bad two weeks in a row? I'm challenging them. You're welcome. All right. Borky? Arkansas's a dumpster fire, right? I, I mean, SMU's gotten better uh, since Chad Morris left. That's not a good sign. So uh, I'll lean in the favor of Jimbo Fisher in this one, even with the 23.5 points. So uh, I will take the Aggies. Northern Illinois, a game that nobody will show up to and nobody will watch, is a 6.5-point underdog at Vanderbilt. Um, I'm going to go with Northern Illinois. I'll take the 6.5 points. Surely Vandy can beat a MAC team or whatever Northern Illinois is by a touchdown. I'll take, I'll take the Commodores. Okay. Vandy. Yeah, even though it was a sleepy game last week, kind of impressed with how they were able to move the football on LSU. So even though there will be, what, 9,500 people at this game, and that's probably being generous, I'll take Vanderbilt. Does that include the concession workers? I don't know the answer to that. If it does, I can see 9,500. Okay. Uh, we got Kentucky and South Carolina. Yeah, Kentucky at South Carolina. Fascinating game for the bowl uh, hopes for both of these teams. Both of them kind of need to win this game. Three points in favor of the Gamecocks. Lead us off, hey, Dad. 
I'm going to take Kentucky. I have zero faith in, in South Carolina. I think Muschamp is getting fired at the end of the season. This, and, and Kentucky's won, I don't know, you know, history doesn't mean much, but Kentucky's won five straight in this series. Give me the Wildcats. Okay. South Carolina, Kentucky backup quarterback with what appears to be an injured arm or something. Whatever he was doing was not necessarily throwing the ball last week. So, South Carolina? Yeah, I'm on South Carolina as a field goal favorite here at home. You know, nobody fills the stadium up like South Carolina, whether they're over an 11 or 11 and 0. That's a good point. That's, that's what they like too. to tell you, even though there's going to be a lot of silver in the stadium on Saturday. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not true, but whatever. Who you got, Borky? Yeah, I'll take South Carolina as well. I watched that Missouri game last week. They stepped all over their own feet. I mean, it, it should have been much closer than the score indicated, and I still like the Holinsky kid, even though he struggled in his second real start. Uh, Charleston Southern doesn't count, so I'll take South Carolina. And uh, the last two games in the SEC schedule, first, Mississippi State, as of this morning, was just a 10-point underdog on the Plains at Auburn. Line's gone down about a point and a half in the last 24 hours. Hmm. Who do you like, Borky? I'm going to take Auburn in this game. I I do not think Mississippi State will be able to stop the run. Auburn will control the clock and probably be a shootout. On my, my little app, I took the over. Uh, which was 46-and-a-half. I think there's going to be some scoring in this game, but I think ultimately Auburn will be able to grind down Mississippi State and be more physical, and uh, that's a problem for the Bulldogs right now. Rippy? That's a lot. Wait, what did we get it at? Ten. Ten. State. Auburn wins probably not by that much. Hey, Dad? I had it 28-17 Auburn on the podcast, and I, I liked State to cover when it was 11.5, but at 10, I'll take the Tigers to win, to cover. All right. Uh, similar to what you saw last weekend in College Station, Mississippi State with a late touchdown from Kylan Hill for the monster backdoor cover. I'll take Mississippi State in the points. I do think that uh, all. I thought you were going all the way there, Cross. I thought you were going to give you me were upset. building it up like you were picking ah! Mississippi State, man. <laughs> no, for the back door cover. All right, it's building it up for the back door. All, all right. right, that's fine. And then finally, Ole Miss as of this morning, thirty-seven and a half in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Alabama. Okay. Hey, Dad. You no, know, I. I don't know that an SEC team has scored 60 points on the same team, same conference team three years in a row, but I have a feeling we're going to test that theory on Saturday. I'll take Alabama and the points. i give the points. It's so many points, but I think I'll, I'll err on the side of Bruce Marshall on this one, and, and I'll go Alabama. But a huge optic opportunity for Ole Miss tomorrow. I mean, I lean in the direction of Alabama, too. Um, but it feels like when everybody's picking a game the exact same way, it tends to go the other way. How many games am I down, Borky? Whose law is that? Not much. Plato? It's Cross's law. Socrates. Nice. Well, casinos don't get big and nice and stuff for no reason. I see what you're saying, though. But there's a reason it went from 32 to 30. I mean, it's almost moved to touchdown, hasn't it? Uh, I thought it opened at like 35. I think two. I think one or two. It, it opened, I, I think Rippy is right, yeah. Give me one second, I'll tell you. <sighs> it's got on the same sheet that he has our standings on. 
Yeah. I mean, you're the man with the pen. Just use the eraser if you're wrong. Don't agonize over Opened this. at 34 and a half. So that's now up to 38 and a half, depending on the book you look at. <sighs> Pull the trigger. Let's do it. I mean, I'll take Ole Miss, but only because I'm going to fade the entire free world on it. Mm. Okay. Don't hate it. That's a, I mean, that's a huge number. 45 to 10 does not it is cover. a large number. 45-7 does. And that's Depending on which one. Not here, but Borky yeah. said one of 38. 38 yeah. and a half some places. Oof. Alabama covered with a late touchdown last week against Southern Miss to win 49 to 7 for what that's worth. All right. Those are your picks brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, the Pearl River Resort. The Golden Moon. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along. We won't necessarily count these in um, in, in our pick totals going outside the SEC, but a couple of national games of, of interest. You heard uh, Bruce Marshall say that he would not be at all surprised to see Virginia win the game outright at Notre Dame, but... Uh, when he's getting 12.5 points, had a strong lead toward Virginia. Borky, I went back and looked, and I've only been able to see that the Ohio State-Nebraska line opened around 15. I know we said 7 yesterday. I'm not sure that that thing was ever at 7, or if it was, it, maybe it was a mistake that they corrected. A 10-point jump sounded almost absurd. Actually, not almost absurd. But even I, at, I'm looking at Odd Shark right now, and it says opening Ohio State minus 7. Okay. I'll look at the so line like history and see what it says. Opening? Yeah. That anyway. you know what? That's exactly what that is, Richard, because the September 22nd line was 15 and a half. That's exactly where that's okay. coming from. So it would have been like a futures line yep. from back before the season began. That is some kind of aggregation like clickbait story. Like look how much this line's moved yeah. since June. Like, come on. So you should have jumped all over Ohio State minus seven against Nebraska back in June. If you did, you'd be feeling uh, pretty good. You like Ohio State to cover the 17 at Nebraska? I feel like I do. For I've watched a lot of Ohio State this year. Um, Yankee. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I've actually I've been to a couple games up there too. He watches uh, them because so he can just sit there and just see that how much he hates them. They give you the Furman treatment. No, I never applied. I did not apply to Ohio State. Do you think you would have gotten in at Ohio State if you'd applied? If you look at college like entry requirements, their baseline, I would have cleared all of them. So it depends on just whether or not they would have accepted a kid from South Carolina, but I never considered applying there either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've watched a lot of them this year because I think they might be one of the best teams in the country. And Their offense is so, it's so much more open, kind of like what LSU has done with Burrow and, and company. Ohio State was really conservative under Urban Meyer offensively. And Ryan Day is not that way. It is wide open. Athletes in space, throwing the ball downfield. the football. Yeah, they've got a really good running back in, in J.K. Dobbins. He's unreal. It also helps that they haven't played anybody of note just yet. But when you're beating teams by 70 points, you know, you got to take notice. Like it. Like it. It's our first real yeah. test, though. It's Justin Fields' first real test. Night game on the road in Nebraska. That'll be a great environment. Might be raining as well. I mean, oh, yeah. the question is how big of a test is it? Like, environment, yes. 
crowd, yes, weather possibly, it sounds like. But, like, how good is Nebraska, actually? Because I've watched zero snaps in Nebraska football, but they've got some not-so-great losses. Although Mel Tucker and... Um, Colorado? Is it Colorado now? Where are you from? Um, if you were from... Yeah. I've no. been better than advertised, was my point, before we got into this Are you Nevada or Nevada? Depends on the day. No, I'm Nevada. Aren't you supposed to say Nevada? Nevada. Okay. They're wrong. But I go with Colorado also. Um, Clemson laid a big number. Is this the week that Clemson flips the switch and starts to look like the team we expected them to look like? 27 and a half against North Carolina? Feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, I just don't see North Carolina scoring much on them. What? I mean, like, th- th- this This feels Did Longo like a- quit? They still got him calling the ball plays? They'll be fine. They do. <laughs> This has somewhere between 45 and 52 to 10 written all over it. Yeah, Lawrence hasn't been all that great this year relative to expectations. Seven touchdown passes. Who's the second best team in the ACC? Virginia. I think that's right. Isn't well, that Wake Forest is 4 0. I know that. Mindenhall or whatever, good quarterback, whatever. And then more of an indictment on the league than anything else. 1,000%. And the thing is, I don't think their quarterback's particularly good. I just think he runs very well. But as far as throwing the football, Bryce Perkins is he's good-ish, but they're not coming close to beating Clemson. The real question, actually, and I'm not going to go all the way down to 1 through 12 or whatever, but who's the third best team? Like, you put those two competent competent teams, good team. Oof. Guys, like a collective gasp. Um, would you think I was absolutely insane if I said Florida State's getting better yes. every week? They're okay. they're the new Arkansas. Well, they're tomorrow's Arkansas. Here's where I'm coming from on that. So they they lose by five to Boise State to open the year. And that's a pretty good Boise State team. It takes overtime to beat ULM. They lost by a touchdown to Virginia. And then they had a game where it took a little while to get going, but they beat Louisville last week 35-24 to get back to 2-2. Two and two. Now, if Alex Hornibrook has to go for an extended period of time, nah, probably not good. they got to have James Blackman back. But I'm just wondering if they weathered the storm of criticism early in the year with the loss to Boise and kind of being a laughingstock. And they're going to get a little bit better. I think they beat NC State this week and then lose to Clemson. And then they could go on a little bit of a run. I mean, Willie Taggart's been off to awful starts before. And I guess it was always chalked up to, well, he's taking over a bad program. But, I mean, he was the head coach at Western Kentucky, went 2-10 and 10 his first year, did the same thing at South Florida in his first year, 2-10. and 10. So maybe it just takes him a little while. They're, they're two and two right now. I'm going to say Florida State. And listen, I know this is nothing to write home about at Florida State, but I'm going to say they finished the regular season at seven and five. Uh, you know, they got to go to Gainesville. They got to go to Clemson. I mean, it's not like they're going to run the table. I just if they do that and build some momentum into the off season, then. Willie Taggart may be able to survive. They go five and seven. I don't know. By the way, have you seen Cam Akers' numbers so far this year? I have not. Pretty, pretty darn good. 
for the uh, the junior running back. Now imagine four hundred ninety nine def- yards, six touchdowns through uh, through four games, averaging five a little over five yards a carry. Thirteen catches, a couple of touchdowns through the air as well. He's a big piece of their offense. He's really good. Just took a little while to uh, to get going for him. You disagree? No, not in my head to approve him. Oh. Great take. Thanks. <laughs> well, sarcasm Why he's wrong there, no, right no, after no. this. I just nodded. Say what, hey, Dad? Why he's wrong right after this. I could have given you a, that is preposterous. <laughs> preposterous. But no, he doesn't get noticed because they've been so bad, but he has been really good. Um, You guys following Tony Romo? He shot 70 yesterday. Two under par. Do you realize that if Tony Romo makes the cut at the Safeway Open out in Napa, that he is going to skip on his NFL responsibilities this weekend and Boomer Esiason is going to slide into the booth alongside Jim Nance? It's great to be Tony Romo. He's got enough leverage to demand a $10 million deal. And if he makes a cut at a tour event, he's like, actually, I'm out this week. I'm out this week. Throw that guy, Alfred, out of there back in for a week. They're going to put Phil Summers back in there? No, nah, it's Boomer. It if you, it's not if Phil. If you had the no. Sunday basketball game you had to call, and you, you somehow got a sponsor's exemption into a tournament, and were, oh my God, I'm going to make the cut. You, you're calling ESPN and saying, ah, I can't make it this week. Yeah, sorry. He's good enough for that leverage, too, I think. A, a Monday basketball game on ESPNU or the SEC Network is not quite the same as being the lead college I'm just football, saying you would or, do I'm it. I'm sorry, though. NFL analyst. I'm just saying. I you guarantee would do Jim Nance is in his ear saying, "Go get it, son." <laughs> oh, Nance absolutely wants to be able to tell that story, doesn't he? It'll yes. it'll be funny to see Asias and try to predict the plays and be wrong. Surely he doesn't go that route. Boomer will be fine though for a game. He should be. Was it, it? It's. Was it Minnesota and somebody? all over again. Boy, they sure did put Phil Sims in timeout. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not like you can really ask Phil Sims to come back and sit in that chair. Cut line is projected at uh, two under. Trying to find. I'm just assuming that he's below the cut line. That he's yep, he's blown up a little bit. Plus two on his round back to even par. Not going to be a story. He's going to he's going to get on a private jet with three cases of whatever new wine he picked up in Napa and. Have himself a large time on the way to work this weekend. Nance is probably going to re- uh, neg his wedge game and prep or something, too. You, you think he'll take a shot at him? I do. It feels like very much like a Jim Nance thing to do. Darren Rovell in the most look-at-me tweet of the uh, week. Back on uh, Wednesday. If Tony Romo wins the Safeway Open, I will delete my Twitter account. Shut up, Darren. Oh, he Everybody had a worse else in the tournament should just throw it. Just start pitching it into the into the water. That should be on Darren Ravel's tombstone. He had a worse one. Yeah, he what had a worse, worse one this working? week. He, oh, he's, had, he's had much worse. He claims ones. that uh, he works in mental health because he volunteers for something occasionally. But that he's a mental health oh. professional because he volunteers. I work in mental health because I work with Rippy. Bears-Vikings is the game that Tony Romo will be getting on a private jet and heading to. I wonder if he's been preparing in the evenings for that game. Or if he's just no practice-putting. He, he probably wasn't thinking about Kirk Cousins on 10 T-Box. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.